The revolution is here. A movement of people free to live, work, and choose. We won't tell you what to think. We just demand that you think for yourself. This is Kibbe on Liberty. Adam, good to see you. Hey, Matt. Glad we, to be here. Thank you. We were uh, we were talking about the, all the research that you're doing on NIH and conflicts of interest. I think it was a couple months ago we bumped into each other in Charlottesville, and I'm glad we finally got together. And it seems like the timing on exposing this I don't even know what to call it. It's it's more than cronyism. It's 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 some level of corruption that I I've, I've been shocked by. But uh, Anthony Fauci today. I feel like he's done this before, but he says, I'm going to retire sometime soon. Or what, what, what exactly did he announce? So they float the trial balloons, right? So today he announced a timeline of his anticipated retirement. So yeah. Anthony Fauci today says that he's going to stay on as the director of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases to the end of the Biden administration. Yeah, yeah. So he... You remember when he was sort of show horsing a couple months ago? It's like, I would never work for the Trump administration if, if, if Trump would win again. And I was like, dude, you did work for the Trump administration. <laughs> and so I, I like there's there's so much about him that's that's political. And it, it, it's um, you might be shocked to know I'm not a big fan. But but the thing that that I want to talk about today, which you guys have done, uh, open the books, you're the CEO of open the books. And you guys have done incredible research exposing something that I've been I've been asking this question since almost day one, like is there some sort of um, payola involved? Because it's it's so obvious that that Fauci and his cohorts have an agenda when they've been pushing not just vaccines but certain vaccines. There's all sorts of competitors out there, and and I I could never get a, a clear answer on it. Um, but your research suggests and sort of um, uh, broke open this idea that there there is this incestuous loop of of where where the NIH and these other agencies uh, spend a lot of money, and then the people that work at the NIH get a piece of the profits of the rollout of these various um, things, including vaccines. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I think all of us started to wonder just how close big government was to big pharma. And now at OpenTheBooks.com, we can we can partially answer that question. And that's they're very close when you follow the money. So let's kind of break this apart. So there's something that's legal since 1984, and that is third party royalty payments. So if you're a scientist doing research over the National Institutes of Health and you help invent something, your name actually goes on a patent and then you get to receive royalties every year. Your royalties are capped at $150,000 a year. The rest of the money flows back to the agency, the National Institutes of Health. Okay, so in 2005 was the last time that that database had transparency. So we noticed that, and 10 months ago, we filed a Freedom of Information Act request to see the line-by-line -line payments from third parties, think the pharmaceutical industry, to the agency and its scientists. Nobody knew how big that complex was. Here's what we knew. We knew NIH every single year was doling out about $30 billion, an unbelievable, staggering massive, amount of money massive, massive. in grant making to over 50,000 entities in the healthcare space. Buys you a lot of friends. Yeah. Buys you a lot of influence, clout. Yeah. Now we know going back through the other door over the course of the last decade, Matt, over $400 million flowed 
to 2,000 NIH scientists and the agency, including its leadership. Collins, the former director of, of the National Institutes of Health, Francis Collins, Tony Fauci was receiving royalties and the directors of their institutes. Yeah. So like my, um, I, I, you, I'm sure you've, you've seen it, the now um, celebrated interview between Joe Rogan and Robert Malone. Mm -hmm. And one of my takeaways from that three-hour conversation was I didn't realize just how intertwined so-called um, private enterprise, um, pharmaceutical companies, but the research community and the government-financed research community, NIH and all of the, the agencies below it, um, it's, it's a lot more entwined than I imagined because I assumed that there would be corruption because at very least the, the government is doling out these grants and choosing winners and losers right. and, and scientifically that's quite dangerous because right. they might be wrong but they're they're going you know Fauci is going to dominate um, with that imprimatur that's that right his this, worldview yeah this paradigm is the one that's accepted by the government and so even if there's private money involved they're going to wait for the government to do that so just from a sort of uh, scientific method integrity. Of, of the research uh, paradigm, I was worried about it. But, but listening to Malone talk about um, the sort of the inside of the system, there really isn't much of a, I can't figure out what the distinction is between big pharma and the government health industrial complex. What's, where's the line? Is, is there a bright line? So let's take the comforting words of the acting director of the National Institutes of Health, Lawrence Tabak. So Francis Collins, he goes over to the White House. He's now Joe Biden's special advisor on science. He gets a 50% pay hike. His pay goes from $203,500 up to three hundred grand on the White House payroll. And in steps Lawrence Tabak. He was the former deputy ethics uh, director over at the National Institutes of Health. He's now the acting director. Uh, for the budget hearing in the House, all appropriations start in the House, Tabak's in the hot seat. And Republican congressman from Michigan, John Molinaire, has him for five minutes. All five minutes was spent on the third-party royalties. We had broke our report 36 hours earlier. Molinaire has the new acting director of NIH in the hot seat. And finally, at minute four, Tabak admits, yes, every single one of those third-party royalty payments has the appearance of a conflict of interest. However, trust us, we have firewalls. We have firewalls. Okay. So they're going to make the argument, Matt, to answer your question, that there are ethical firewalls in place. Now, I'm not comforted, and here's why. We talked about this third-party royalty database having full transparency 17 years ago with the Associated Press in 2005. We requested the same database. And I can see the top line numbers. So I can tell you there's about $400 million over the last decade that flowed in. And I can see the scientists' names on every payment. Here's what I can't see. The amount of the payment to the scientists, it's been redacted, blacked out. I can't see, incredibly, the third-party payer's name. Think pharmaceutical company. That name's been redacted. And I can't see what the scientist's invention was, the patent number, the license number. That's been blacked out at well. Yeah. So you have... You have Tabak in, the, in this House hearing say, trust us, we have firewalls. Well, excuse me, uh, I'm not comforted in the least. It feels like if there are legitimate firewalls, and <laughs> it's possible, I suppose, 
Um, but why would they redact everything? Exactly. I mean, well, we'll get into some circumstances here as yeah. to why this database is so hot. They can't yeah. show us the money because heads would roll. So you mentioned 2005, and that, I believe, was when the Associated Press, back when the corporate media actually did investigative journalism, they exposed this this huge conflict of interest where there was, um, you know, kickback's not the right word, but it, it feels like you're getting a piece of everything that um, the government is financing. And, and, and talk about that process, because back then it wasn't... It was different back then because back then the accusation was, well, they're getting a piece of the profits of something that the NIH itself is financing the the research, which is one of the huge financial barriers to getting a, a new drug to market. So in that sense, it was they, they were kind of subsidizing the things that they might profit from. Absolutely. Let's break that down in real time with the with America's most famous doctor, Dr. Anthony Fauci. So the scandal uncovered by the Associated Press in 2005 revolved around Tony Fauci. So over a, a seven year period ahead of that, Tony Fauci on a drug uh, experimental AIDS vaccine that he co-invented had received forty five thousand dollars worth of royalty payments as he's director of his institute and direct dean. $36 million into the continued development of the vaccine. Yeah. On its face, it's a conflict of interest. Tony Fauci admitted as much. He said, I think it's a conflict of interest, and because so, I'm going to donate my royalties to charity. That was 17 years ago. Right, okay? right. Now you got 2,000 scientists, $400 million, no transparency over the last 17 years, only because of our work, of our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com, are we starting to shine the white-hot spotlight. Yeah. Now, didn't uh, – um, and, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to start being ethical is Fauci's response <laughs> back then, which is kind of funny. But, but I feel like NIH – um, made a commitment at the time to be more transparent after being exposed by this Associated Press thing. They did, and they promised to put the database online. So last summer, when we were searching their website for a couple of weeks for this database, because I read the press reports, it's supposed to be online. We're searching for it. We can't find it. And so by September, we filed the Freedom of Information Act request for it because it actually was not online. Yeah. So you guys were um, the source of, of this research, your FOIA requests, and you compiled this data, which is what you guys do at, at Open the Books. It was used by Senator Rand Paul in his last, um, maybe not his most heated exchange, but it is pretty rough. And he, he was uh, demanding some, some basic answers from Fauci, and he didn't seem to get very far. No, he didn't. So in June... Uh, U.S. Senator Rand Paul, with Fauci in the hot seat, followed up on a letter, a letter written spearheaded by uh, the senator and four other of his Republican colleagues on the Homeland Security Committee. So five U.S. senators write a letter to NIH saying, hey, that OpenTheBooks.com database that you guys are producing that's heavily redacted, we want to see the entire thing without redactions. And so he was, so he had Fauci in the hot seat, and he asked Fauci if he had ever regulated a company that he had received royalties from. And Fauci said, um, I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Yeah. 
So that was the, that was again, the comforting response in the hot seat by a leader over at NIH. These things are not comforting. We need to be able to follow the money. We need full transparency. We need to be able to see these conflicts. Furthermore, I really think when Lawrence Tabeck says we have firewalls, uh, that what he's talking about is there are provisions in place that if you are a human subject of a medical trial, you do have some transparency on whether or not the scientists working on your trial are benefiting from third-party royalties from the from from the companies involved in the trial. Yeah. So that's that's on the human subject side. Let me tell you, Matt, I don't think there's anything on the pay-to-play, legalized money laundering, uh, insider uh, trading on these inventions, and that's truly why they can't show us the database. Yeah, it's 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 shocking how deep this probably goes. And uh, the, the the firewall that I thought you were going to reference was was the constant redacting of, of information once the FOIA is released. And, and, and one of the things, you know, everybody wants to know if there's a conflict of interest when it comes to choosing winners and lo- right. losers with the COVID vaccines. Right. Um, because clearly Fauci has, um, you know, he, 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 he likes some, he trash talks others, and, and others didn't even get to the table. Um, perhaps that's based on objective science? But, but, but maybe it's not, you know, going back to, to what Fauci said, is is he contradicting himself? His answer to Rand Paul was, I don't think so. But go back to 2005. Is that an example of well, him or is it or is it a slightly different case? So I, I think so. I mean, there he is. He's regulating. He's a, he's a steering tens of millions of dollars worth of grant making to enhance an invention, his co-invention. Yeah. So I think it's a clear example. Yeah. Um, so the the scandal in 2005 was that you know they're 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 putting their name on these patents. They're getting royalties while they're directing the funds and and deciding winners and losers. Are we going to invest in sort of uh, efficacy and safety research on this product or that product? Um, the scandal today, I think, is is substantially categorically worse, and that's because we've now gone from government um, subsidized research to really government mandating that you must use this product. Um, so, about, like, right, I've, well, that's what, true. yeah, what I've been saying, like, and everybody trashes the pharmaceutical companies, and I'm I'm among them, um, but you know, what what private company wouldn't? want the government to mandate that you consume their product. Um, if, if the opportunity is there, they're going to take it. But, but going back to this in, in, intimately intertwined thing, it's not, it may be that the people that de facto have the decision about whether or not you're allowed to go back to work without being vaccinated. Remember, Joe Biden said, I'm going to do what Anthony Fauci tells me to do on this. So um, does, does he have legal authority no but he's he has de facto authority on this so that's the that's he's got the, a lot of position power yeah the explosive question for me is um is fauci or collins or any of these other guys are they making money on a product that they politically mandated that that, that american people use so in terms of whether anthony fauci is deriving profit from his royalties um i look we see him from October of 2009 
through March of 2017, he has 30 royalty payments. Um, so, it, and he's out in recent testimony saying that his royalty payments had dwindled to virtually nothing. Um, I don't think he's getting it from his pharmaceutical royalty payments. Where he did get a big royalty payment was in February of, two, of 2021. He got a million dollar prize from the Dan David Foundation out of Israel for quote unquote, speaking truth to power during the Trump administration. Now, as a part of our Freedom of Information Act request and subsequent lawsuit versus NIH because they refused to turn over Dr. Anthony Fauci's employment paperwork, including his job description, we finally, about 45 days ago, got his job description. And the reason that I wanted to review it was to see if public affairs was in his job description. And it's not. So here we have a de facto admission where Anthony Fauci receives a million-dollar prize approved ahead of time by the National Institutes of Health, his employer, for his public affairs, public relations work. Yeah. And it's not in his job description. And we have a rule on the book since 1913 called the Gillette Amendment, which bars the publicity man, the propagandist. It bars public funding for uh, public affairs unless appropriated for that reason. And here we have his job description and it's not in there. So my question to Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he's refused to answer it, and I've sent it to him on his email, uh, and he has received it, is have you ever gotten a legal opinion on the Gillette Amendment and are you violating it? Fascinating. Because I, I did some research on this myself and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that this was an angle, but if you go to NIH's website, there's a whole landing page for Want, want Fauci to talk to your media company? And they, they got some of his prizes and his media hits. Um, it, right. It's essentially a, a PR firm within a government agency, and it's all about Fauci. Well, and, and here's the kicker, Matt. Uh, National Institutes of Health, for a $15 million annual payroll, according to our data at openthebooks.com, they employ 86 public relations officers. Wow. And Fauci's out there doing the media. Yeah. In the first 18 months of the pandemic, he did 400 media events. They employ 86 PR officers. We estimate that since the beginning of the pandemic, taxpayers have paid over $40 million for public affairs officers at NIH. What are they doing all day long? Yeah. They're, they may be promoting their <laughs> preferred products that may they may have a financial interest in. It's possible. But, I thought you were going to say they were pr promoting their preferred product, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a virtuous cycle, right? <laughs> um, you know, he got I, I forget when it was, but uh, he went dark there for a while because um, of something. That was random. after the January hearing, where yeah. he melts down on national television on the hot mic and calls U.S. Senator uh, from Kansas, Roger, um, I'm blanking out his last name. Uh, I yeah. Uh, he called him a moron because uh, uh, he, the U.S. senator had him for five minutes. Yeah. Again, this was our research uh, that Dr. Anthony Fauci is the top paid uh, federal bureaucrat. He out earns the president, four-star generals in the United States military, and everybody at the federal level. And, and so he had him in the hot seat for five minutes, and it was Dr. Anthony Fauci's code red moment. He lost his cool, and you can't be America's top dollar, do, top uh, doctor if you're melting down on national television. And that, again, was our research. When the senator references Forbes and cites uh, Forbes, that was actually my then column at Forbes. Yeah.
as, as I like to point out. Um, um, it was U.S. Senator Roger Marshall. Yes, that's right. Um, as I like to point out, like uh, Fauci's, um, if, if you're going to list Fauci's skill set, it's influencer, and then it's bureaucratic apparatchik, and then maybe somewhere down there is scientist, despite his claims to actually be the science. So let's break that down a little bit. So I'm from Illinois. It is the Super Bowl of corruption. And in Illinois, for many years, about 40 years, we had a House speaker who was the most powerful politician in Illinois. And for a good bit, in terms of Illinois' top law enforcement officer at the state level, he installed his daughter. <laughs> okay, so let's take that into NIH. Dr. Fauci, on the pandemic, was crafting America's healthcare response to COVID-19 and the pandemic. What many people don't know is while Dr. Anthony Fauci out earns the president of the United States, his wife, Christine Grady, is the chief bioethicist at the National Institutes of Health and out earns the vice president. She runs the world's largest ethics department at NIH. So Fauci's crafting the public policy response to COVID and the pandemic. His wife is crafting the ethics, America's ethics response to COVID-19, including rationing of healthcare, mask wearing, mandated vaccines, issues surrounding rendezvous. And she says in an, in an, uh, in an in-style interview, quote unquote, and millions of angles related to the pandemic. So look, they live a conflict of interest at the breakfast table, at the office, and then again at the dinner table. So would she be in charge of, of enforcement of these, these firewalls? Would she be the judge and jury if someone had breached the firewall? You know, I, you raise a good point. There we, are more questions that we have about this relationship than answers. Yeah. And just two days ago, again with Judicial Watch, we filed, filed our third Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the National Institutes of Health because we requested Dr. Christine Grady, Mrs. Fauci's employment paperwork you know, her contract with all amendments, changes and addendums, her job description, her ethics and conflict disclosures. I want to know if she's got a nepotism disclosure in her file. Yeah. And NIH refused to even acknowledge our request. So we had to sue again. Is, is it's, it's probably true that, that we won't get more answers until there is a change in congressional leadership. Is that, is that fair? Well, we keep winning these federal lawsuits. So you keep having to go to court after they ignore you, and then you then they sort of slow walk the data you're, out. You're but, exactly right. Yeah, man. you're you're an old hand, that's for sure. You understand exactly what they're doing. They're using expensive taxpayer paid litigation to f first reject, forestall, and then slow walk information to to all of us to taxpayers. So they're using taxpayer funds to battle taxpayers from seeing where they spend taxpayer money. And it's a strategy. So when do we get to see data from this pandemic? Because that, that to me is the question um, about potential conflicts and, and about um, uh, favoritism and cronyism. When will you guys get your hands on 2021, 2022? These are, this is what we need to know. So again, we have a, another federal lawsuit versus NIH with Judicial Watch for the sick, for the calendar entries for Tony Fauci in the six months leading up 
to March of 2020, six months leading up to the pandemic. And again, NIH refused to turn over even a single document. And now they're slow. We haven't even, it's been four or five months since we filed the lawsuit. And on that lawsuit, we've actually received no production. They're continuing to tie us up in court to, uh, to, to uh, forestall any, any document production on his calendar. So to answer your question, um, here, here's another one. We've had a request for his 2021 ethics and financial disclosures in there, and they're supposed to be public as of May, and we're still waiting. Yeah. It's, it's funny. He says that, um, what was this, uh, a Politico story today about, about Fauci's supposedly imminent retirement is that he's, he's thinking a lot about um, how he will be remembered. I, I think it might not turn out the way he hopes, but that I'm going to hold you responsible for this to make sure that we, we get at the truth. Well, and, and here's the point, Matt. He is the top paid federal employee. He makes this year $480,000 a year. Okay. The president makes 400,000. He's an unelected bureaucrat, but as the top paid employee, we deserve a lot from him and we're not getting it. Yeah. I mean, you, you do so much work on revolving doors, but, uh, the, I, I'm blanking on his name, but I'm hoping you remember the top recipient, um, 300 plus payouts over the years. Um, what's that guy's name? So his name is Robert Gallo. So who is Robert Gallo? He is the number one so far in the data. Um, and we've got about 60% of the third party royalty payments in. We're through March of 2017. And so far, the number one recipient of these third-party paid royalties, his name is Robert Gallo. So he is a scientist that actually left NIH back in 1996. And he left under a cloud at the time. So he had claimed uh, uh, that he invented, I think it was an AIDS vaccine. Uh, the French had claimed they invented it, that, that he had co-opted their invention, uh, Mitterrand at the time of, of France and Reagan, they had to get together and they, they agreed to, to split it. So then Gallo leaves and he, he, uh, he becomes a serial entrepreneur. He uh, starts at the University of Maryland, a public institute. He starts a for-profit pharmaceutical company. Uh, those two entities over the course of the last 15 years received $600 million in grant making from the National Institutes of Health and other federal agencies. He also uh, founds a nonprofit organization called the uh, Global Virus Network. And who are two of the members of the Global Virus Network? The Federal Food and Drug Administration and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So these are the types of, so he's the number one recipient of royalties. Again, we don't know how much he received because that's blacked out. But then he becomes a serial entrepreneur trading for $600 million worth of grant making from federal agencies. And uh, at the height of the pandemic, he pens an op-ed saying, um, even if there's a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute, uh, don't worry about it. We need a, a good relationship with China. Never disclosing the close relationship that he has yeah. with the Wuhan Institute of but, Virology. But, yeah, by the way, revolving door seems like an inadequate metaphor <laughs> for this. This is like major deep state stuff. Because, because after I after I was reading your report on him this morning, I Googled him and did a little bit of poking around. 
and his nonprofit was a uh, first of all a I would say an apologist for the for right. the for the Chinese approach. Yes. Um, on virus mitigation, and he also happens to be a big advocate of that we need a centralized response. We can't have different countries doing different things, and he would really like the World Health Organization to be the arbiter of what the next pandemic response is. And oh, by the way, my foundation is perfectly poised to be that for you. So he kind of wants to do the um, uh, Dr. Evil thing and, and be in charge of all this. And well, and if, if all that violates your sensibilities and ethics, Matt, uh, don't worry, because Christine Grady, Fauci's wife, she's running ethics at NIH. So she'll run cover for uh, Gallo and for Fauci. Yeah. And furthermore, Gallo is so close to Fauci to this day that Fauci, just a couple of years ago, penned an op-ed in the Washington Post saying, that if we eliminate Christopher Columbus as a holiday, we should make it Robert Gallo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're that close. Yeah. Um, man. So how this this is so disgusting and it's it's shocking even for me. And I am a cynical libertarian who has worked in and outside of government my entire life. I live in Washington, DC, and this level of I'll call it corruption, but again, we need we need better words right. that, that capture the, the breadth of and size of what's going on here. How, do, how would we ever get away from, from this intertwined mess to, to what I believe has to be a clear separation between science and government? Right. We're, what our research shows is that we are so far from that, and none of us knew how far away we were from it. But when you have $30 billion a year in grant making coming out of the National Institutes of Health, you basically control the entire medical industry in the, in the country. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's more of a monopoly than a cartel because, it, it again, going back to my earlier comment, um, without their blessing, very little probably happens. And that, you know, if you, if you care about science, and by the way, I would shout out uh, criticized some of my Republican colleagues back when I worked on the Hill in the mid-90s. Um, Newt Gingrich was, was very much an engineer of radically expanding the NIH budget. Mm. And I'm sure that it's happened, it's, it's, it's been turbocharged ever since then. But you know, you know our, our arguments then and, and my argument today is that you don't want government deciding which scientific paradigm to pursue. Agreed. Because of all of these these corruptions, you want you want competition, you want innovation, you want decentralized um, um, competing thinkers right. trying to come up with stuff, because nobody knows. Like That's this right. this this very evil statement that that, that Fauci embraces: um, the science is settled. I am the science. That that's the most anti-science thing you could say. Absolutely. But I don't I don't know how you stop it until you sort of acknowledge that. Um, you know, we, we can be mad at pharmaceutical companies, and we should be. There's plenty of corruption going on there. But they're just there. playing the game. They're playing the game. Right. They're playing the game, and, and they didn't establish the rules of the game. They probably lobbied to make those, right. those, those more advantageous for them. But as long as the government's doling out all that money, the insiders are going to play that game. That's right. You used to hire lobbyists to keep government out of your business. Now the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry hires lobbyists to bring government closer and that's yeah. where we're at. Let's put another example on the table because, you know, Lawrence Tabak said there's firewalls in place, right? Okay, so let's take 
the acting director of the National Cancer Institute. So, so far, most of the royal third-party royalties flow to the National Cancer Institute. So $191 million out of the $220 million that we have so far in royalties flow to the National Cancer Institute. This guy's the acting director right now, Douglas Lowry. So who's Douglas Lowry? He, out of 2,000 scientists, he's ranked 21 on his individual receipt of third-party royalty payments, the payment count. Okay, so he is continuing, while he's the director of the agency, to receive royalties. He's one of the top royalty receivers, and he's continuing to his function as a research scientist, even this year authoring papers on vaccines and, and innovations that he holds a patent on while he's the head of the agency. Yeah. It's just, it's prima facie appearance of conflict of interest with every single data point. How long, how long is this, do you think that this system of, of just the same person um, inventing, promoting, financing, choosing in the political marketplace what's acceptable what's not how is this a new thing or how long has this been going on so you raise a great point matt look there's seven billion people on the planet yeah. and at nih it's a small circle we see the same names being recycled over and over again lawrence tabak he's the acting director of the nih so when you take a look at from 2015 through 2020 the fauci ethics and financial disclosures who's mm -hmm. signing off on it Lawrence Tabak. Yeah. Like there's only a couple of names that are popping up throughout this entire thing. It's a small group of people. Hey, Tony. This. Hey, Tony. If, <laughs> if, if you sign mine, I'll sign yours, dude. You know, seven billion people on the planet, but not at NIH. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, I assume this sort of thing is, is why you created your organization yes. in the first place. And I want to, I want to, um, before I get too depressed, I want to talk a little bit more broadly about, about, why you do this work, you know, why did you start and, and some other projects that we should be focused on? So I just fundamentally believe that transparency revolutionizes United States public policy and politics. If you can see just how poorly government spends your money, you're going to vote better. Better people will run for office. The federal government, state governments, local governments, they're not just wasting money. They're literally ripping you off. They are milking taxpayers like dairy cows. So what we've been talking about at NIH, these legalized money laundering systems, look, it's all legal. At arm's length, every single one of those transactions is legal. That doesn't mean it's ethical. It doesn't mean the laws and the statutes should be changed. That's why I founded OpenTheBooks.com, is to expose all these different practices so we can get better public policy, better people, and give a, give a future to this country. I mean, think about the national debt. Okay, when George W. Bush was in office, the national debt 20 years ago was less than $6 trillion. Then you had Democrat Barack Obama, Republican Donald Trump, and now Democrat Joe Biden. R-D-R-D. And the national debt is $30 trillion. We're up five times in 20 years. Both parties are milking us all like dairy cows. It, it probably, like, uh, so we spent a lot of time beating up the executive branch and we spent a lot of time beating up the legislative branch. But 
part of what I think might be driving that is the utter unaccountability um, amongst these career bureaucrats. And I, I think back to the progressive project was to to get, get the scientists, you know, guys like Fauci are, are their dream because he's, he's a credentialed scientist and we're going to insert him in there. He's going to be unfireable. He's going to be unaccountable. So he's above right. politics. Right. But now he's above accountability. You watch right. all of uh, Senator Paul's engagements with him. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He, do, he doesn't care if he's being truthful. And, and there's, it, it's shocking that um, committees of jurisdiction can't get answers on this stuff. Well, it's very true. I think Fauci is untouchable, unaccountable, unfireable. He knows it. Uh, we unearthed through our federal lawsuit on his employment docu- documents, we unearthed the 2004 memo, which tells us why and how Fauci is the most highly paid, most highly compensated, top paid federal employee. So the memo said, um, we're going to give a permanent bonus, a permanent pay adjustment to Fauci for his work on biodefense. I really believe a decision was made during the George W. Bush administration, and the decision was, we need Fauci on the team, we don't need him jumping to the private sector, and so we're going to reward him. And so that was a private memo with the pay hike that makes him the top paid. But then the public announcement was in two th- right before Bush left office, he conferred the Presidential Medal of Freedom on Fauci, the highest civilian honor. And so everyone got the message, Fauci's untouchable. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that part of the story. Um, but I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't have picked on Newt. Maybe I should, should have picked on W because it sounds like maybe that's the birth of the, the what I call, not adoringly, the pandemic industrial complex. And and this may be outside of your expertise, but but the the whole the whole Wuhan thing is is not unique. Is is my sense of things that there has been incredible government financing um, in preparation for the next pandemic that that might have gone horribly awry. Um, but you know, you give people money, you don't hold them accountable, and and they might do really destructive things. So our position at OpenTheBooks.com is we just need to be able to see it. I mean, normally when we file a Freedom of Information Act request for simple ethics, financial contract and employment description and employment documentation, that's the record you assemble before you start your investigation. Yeah. With Fauci, we were stuck there for the last two years in federal litigation just to get the basics. Yep. Well... I got to believe that your research is going to be essential in defining um, Anthony Fauci's legacy. And I, th- I think that's really important. Today, um, he really wants to be this larger than life. You know, I saved the world from the pandemic. I happen to think that, that his recommendations were a humanitarian catastrophe. Um, but we're going to need the data and we're going right. to need to expose the corruption right. in order to make sure that that narrative is honest so that it doesn't keep happening. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of open questions with Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, number one is, did the firemen become the arsonists? You know, he, everyone should read the Washington Post article from August of 2021, Science in the Shadows. It's about 20 pages. And it, it Washington Post did analysis of whether Tony Fauci funded gain of function, and they concluded that he did, and he poured tens of millions of dollars into it. 
So when he tells Ron Paul that he didn't fund it, the Washington Post reporters in a 20-page article says that he did. Yeah. Um, and so then on the risky experiments where you soup up these viruses in the lab, you create your lab pandemic, Did was there a leak in Wuhan? Did the firemen become the arsonists? And then, you know, was Tony Fauci on the pandemic, you know, was the was the cure worse than the disease? You know, was his policy prescriptions on the pandemic, did it make COVID worse? All of this, America is ready. We are, we are ready for a serious and robust discussion on all of these issues, but you can't have the discussion if the books are closed. Yeah. And that's why we've, we've tried our best to open them. So my final question related to that is, will this be the first YouTube video that Free the People posts that gets striked, gets a strike against it because this is forbidden conversation. I don't know what the answer to that is because we've said nothing that isn't out there in the public domain. Right. Um, I, I tried to find earlier, so the, the Associated Press I mentioned um, did this tremendous uh, investigative journalism back in 2005. Um, I tried to find a fact check where <laughs> where they sort of contradicted themselves um, because they're one of the, the fact check industrial complex um, participants. Now, I couldn't find it, but we will see what uh, our tech overlords at YouTube say about this one. Well, there's been a couple fact checking uh, on this, and every single time our position at openthebooks.com has held up. So I welcome all the fact checkers because the only thing that we talk about is the hard facts produced by NIH. Now we've had to sue for it and it, it's been a knockdown drag out fight to get those that that production and that paperwork, but that's what we talk about. It's all factual in nature. We follow the money. How do people find you and your organization if they want to check it out? Uh, just come to openthebooks.com. On your first visit, there'll be a pop-up. Just enter your email address and what that does is it puts you on our subscriber email list so you get all of our breaking investigations first. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed that show, make sure that you like and subscribe. Click the little bell so that you get notifications. And if you consume this via podcast, go wherever you want to go. We're everywhere. Kibbe on Liberty. The revolution starts now.